Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. You have to love your team even if they don't love you. You should intentionally have more positive conversations with people than negative. One of the greatest ways that we can love our people is to empower them. People appreciate the moments and the opportunities where you get to let them shine. My business literally wouldn't fucking exist without you, so thank you. This is Unfuck My Business. Welcome to the Unfuck My Business podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jinx, with Robin, and we have uh, Jennifer, Kathleen, and Victor today with us in our special love series for the month of February. Today, we're going to talk about uh, loving your team. I had a conversation with a friend recently who was talking about, you know, his management style and approach, and, and he said, you know, I, I don't like having to deal with all of that you know, everybody's feelings about what's going on, uh, you know, like, I just want to be able to, to sort of, you know, give orders and have them carried out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I completely understood that perspective because my instinct in leadership has always been uh, to be that sort of boot camp drill instructor type leader. Here's what has to be done. And, you know, we're working in a high stress, fast paced environment. So, I need orders followed quickly, you know, not quite military because this is technology, not war. But, you know, a lot of that same sense sort of pervades the entire thing. And, and I've had to learn some hard lessons over the last 10 years working with, you know, both teams that I'm interacting with on a contractual basis versus uh, teams of direct reports versus teams of other leaders that I'm working with in a leadership capacity. Uh, and there's, there's a lot to learn there. And so, you know, for today's topic of love your team, I want to take uh, this team who I love quite a bit through a conversation about some of the aspects of, of how do we deal with that? And, and through, through multiple lenses, through the lens of, you know, a solopreneur by themselves who has to develop uh, uh, partnerships and work with third-party vendors through the business owner and business leader perspective where you've got direct reports or you're working with a team of additional leaders. All of the different ways in which we engage in teams and businesses, you have to love your team. You have to communicate that. They have to understand their value to you as part of that. Uh, or else it's just not going to be a, a good relationship and a good match. So uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to start the conversation talking about solo entrepreneurs, because I think a lot of our audience probably is in that space, at least to start with. When you're first forming a business, oftentimes it's you by yourself. But the relationships that you build with uh, the teams of, of uh, other business owners around you, contracted partners, or even building up a business network or, you know, an association of key players in a business network that you exchange business with, all of them come back to this sort of key initial place. Robin, I know that you've spent a lot of time as a, a sort of a solo operator, but also have done a fair amount of team management across a number of perspectives. Uh, what are the, the important things to you in building that great relationship and, and loving your team? Sure. One of the things I learned from my previous corporate experience is that not everybody can be and should be managed and led the same way. And so I definitely brought that with me into my business. I also know that I'm not the right leader for everybody. <laughs> and so understanding the kind of leader that I am and where my skills lie and where they don't lie and making sure I'm not bringing in partners and collaborators who are just fun people that I like to work with, but we don't get anything done. <laughs> you know, I, I bring in people that 
work with me and have the skills that I don't. So like many entrepreneurs starting out on my own, I went through the period of, oh, I can just do this myself. And then quickly began to learn to evaluate the cost of my time (laughs) and that it can be better spent in other places and started bringing in outside help. So freelancers, contractors, things of that nature. And I went through a few unsuccessful partnerships before I found a core group of collaborators. I call them my co-conspirators. And the co-conspirators in my business, all the ones that I have right now have been with me for at least the last three years. And that's a way that I love them is I keep bringing them back. I keep going back to them. There are many times like once I find a co-conspirator, once I find a collaborator that we work really well together and we turn out really good stuff at the end of the project, I consult with them before I take the next project, right? Because you and I work really well together and I want to go make some magic on this project. So let me make sure that you can make this magic with me. And if you can't make this magic with me, then I might not take the project, right? So I check with them ahead of time. I make sure they're available to work on upcoming projects that I have in the works. I also help them build their businesses. That's the thing. We're all in business. And I love my copywriter. (laughs) Like I can't even express to you the deep, deep level at which I love my copywriter. She knows my brand voice better than I do at this point. And I would love to hoard her away in a closet and keep her all to myself. But the other thing I learned from my corporate days is the best symbolism of my success as a leader and as someone who can grow other leaders is for her business to go and kick ass. And so the way that I can help her do that is to send people to her. So I, there, I'm not only a referral source in that I'm bringing these contractors and co-conspirators in on projects of mine on behalf of my business, I'm also sending them their own business. Um, and some of them have gone on to have great long-term relationships with some of the people that I sent them as a referral. And that that makes me feel good. And then that ensures that when I pick up the phone and I call them and say, hey, do you want to come work on this? They always say yes. <laughs> they always say yes because I've built that relationship. I sing their praises. I refer them often. I reward them in ways that make sense for each of them. Not everyone likes to be rewarded and praised in the same way. So I find out, you know, just like, um, let's just go ahead and go there. We've used relationship examples in business, right? And talking about loving your business, we talked about thinking of it like a relationship. If we think about our teams, like people we're in a relationship with, you know, and if you want to have a really good relationship with your partner, you want to find out how they want to be loved, You know, what are the five love languages? How do they want to be loved? And I want to make sure I express my love and gratitude for that partnership to them in a way that they'll appreciate. I am a gift giver, but I have one partner who feels very uncomfortable when I give her gifts. And so even though it goes against my nature, I don't give her gifts because it's not serving their intended purpose. It makes her feel uncomfortable. So I find other ways to show her love and gratitude and appreciation for the work that she's done and the partnership that we've had that don't involve physical gifts, right? Because that would defeat the purpose. And I'm sure you've all watched in a, in a team or a corporate scenario where someone's like, 
Hello, everybody. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge what Jinx has done for us today. Everyone, let's give him a round of applause without first checking to see if Jinx wants to be recognized publicly. And if he doesn't, this is now the worst moment of his life, <laughs> being under the spotlight, you know, in front of all these people. So your attempts to love your team can backfire if you don't know how they want to be loved. So for my team of co-conspirators, I am loyal to them because then they'll be loyal to me. I keep bringing them back on projects. I send them their own projects. I help them build their businesses. And, um, and I express gratitude in a way that actually means gratitude to them and not just gratitude to me. I love that last point so much. Gratitude is, is such a, a people don't really understand a how critical it is and b how much value it brings when you express it you know uh that's i for me that's a huge huge part of loving your team is is making sure that they know how much you appreciate them victor you've been in a, a solo operator in a number of businesses but of course you were always relying on vendors and and third-party uh, um, suppliers and that sort of thing how do you nurture a relationship and and love that kind of a team yeah, absolutely. So early on in um, in my life as an as an entrepreneur, I used to say that I'm a one man show. You can never be a one man show. You always need people to help you out. You need contractors, um, vendors, things of a nature. Um, and one thing that I've learned um, is that sometimes getting the best deal is not the best deal. So basically what I operate off from is from a win-win situation, trying to create win-win situations, understand, you know, the other businesses are also, or other contractors are also business and they also need to make money. So sometimes when you, you know, when you negotiate and people think, well, I got this for the lowest amount of money possible. Sometimes that's not the greatest thing because A, they don't want to continue to do business with you in the future. And B, you're just creating this sour um, relationships. I had, a, when I was doing real estate, I had a crew of people that will do like drywalls and, um, tree people. And, and I've never, well, I will say this because in the beginning I did think that getting the lowest of the lowest was the best, especially when you're doing, you're you flipping houses, uh, you have to maintain, um, you know, a certain amount of house, a, a portfolio of houses. Um, and you have to be a landlord and you have to have a plumber on your on your phone ready to go and um and a handyman and all that and i did that happened to me in the beginning where i i just wanted to get the best deal possible and i understood i understood later on that that's not always the best deal i i, I operate from always trying to create a win-win situation with uh with my vendors with my contractors and i treat them like i, I try to have candor conversations, try to get to know them. You know, the, the plumber is, is, has also a family, you know, and you want to know what, what, what's all about, what, what's his, what is he all about, what motivates him. And, and that's some of the things that people don't get when you're a solo entrepreneur or a solopreneur. Creating those relationships is just like if you were managing them. You want to get to know these people. You want to get to know what motivates them. You want to treat them well. You want to create win-win situations. Um, and, and that's how I operate now for sure after being burnt many times in the past all of my best partnerships all of my long-term business relationships have become deeply personal all of them 
You know, it, you do, you know, when dad is sick or, you know, when the kids got the flu or, or whatever else is going on in their life. If you don't take the time to value that partner as a person, as an individual, as a human being with their own complete lived experience, you know, you're just, you're not ever going to like you get so much more out of it from a business perspective. These are the people who are going to maybe give you a little break on the pricing here and there without it feeling like an imposition to them. It's something that they're doing as sort of an action of love in the relationship, you know, or, you know, they're willing to put up with maybe your performance isn't on par this week with what they expect, but they know it's going to come back the next time, you know, a bad time, whatever the case may be. That personal connection with those third parties is really critical on that. Kathleen, you've had kind of a blend of, of sort of solo businesses, but partner businesses, and then also working with a lot of third-party uh, outsiders. How do you build and, and maintain that team relationship? A couple of things. And first, there was a friend of mine uh, I started hanging out with about 10 years ago, and I noticed how kind she was to people. And literally, what made an impression to me is she goes to the grocery store, and she stops, puts the thing on the conveyor belt, and she makes eye contact. She's like, hi, how are you today? Like, hello. And that person working on the other side of the counter connects to it and it makes it a meaningful experience for them. And I've taken that and I've realized that I'm, I'm intentionally bringing that level of connection to every person that I reach out to in my day. So literally when I get on the phone, I do some property management. When I get on the phone with the plumber or the roofer or the electrician, those people that you have to have in your pocket when you're doing this kind of work, right? You, you got them on speed dial. They answer the phone. I'm like, hey, this is Kathleen. How are you today? And we actually, like, the receptionists know me and they, you know, oh, hey, how you doing? And there's this little conversation. So starting with that and starting with that communication and actually stopping to give a moment to care about the person that's in front of you is so big, huge. But besides that, um, working, having either contractors, employees, it's been it's been a rough ride for me over the years, honestly. I didn't start having much, if any, skill in the area. I never had any formal training. And it's really been this uh, kind of me piecing together what I needed to learn over the years. You know, it started with learning about personality styles and how to communicate with different people. And then over the years, getting really clearer and clearer about how to communicate with people, how to define goals how to how to measure and communicate as we proceed through the goals and every time i do that with someone it it is more and more clear that like i'm never granular enough like i never get detailed enough there's always many more layers down you can go that would make a project more successful or make your communication with the person more successful like for example even if you and I use the same word, we may not be defining it the same way. So actually going in and having a conversation around what that word is defined in. And since we're going at this through the lens of love, like just this last week, I've had conversations with people where this friend of mine is dating someone and she's been seeing him for a year, but doesn't call him a boyfriend because for her, that means, you know, you're moving towards a future goal together. And then this person over here has known this guy for three weeks. He decides to start calling her his girlfriend because they're going on dates every week. Right. And it's like they're using the same words, but they mean completely different things. And that holds true with business. You can use the same word and mean completely different things. And until you get on the same page and spend the time to communicate, and understand that, and get granular about your goals, 
and follow up to make sure that you're tracking in line, you're not going to have great success. And to me, being able to give help people set expectations and understand what they're walking into is the way to show love and support for them through that process. Couldn't agree more. You know, it's when I, when I talk about emotional intelligence and moving past that perspective of just being the boss, right? You know, that you get so much more out of your people when they know that you value them as people, when you have that sort of one-on-one relationship and you acknowledge them and accounting for their bad days and their outside stresses and all the rest of that is sort of part of that process, right? You know, if you look at their performance in aggregate, not in moment to moment, when you're not trying to micromanage them and you're also not trying to micro measure them, you know, really look at over the course of weeks or months or years, how is this team member performing? You know, it gives you such a more human perspective, but it also like engenders a loyalty in your team where they're more willing to go above and beyond and, 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 you know, really innovate for you and, and, and perform like the rock stars that they can be. Jennifer, you've spent enough time in, in corporate leadership and management to, to have some sense of what it's like, you know, with various teams and sort of managing, you know, if Becky has a flu and, and, you know, John's going through a divorce and all the rest of that. What are your tactics for, you know, sort of communicating your team love and building that relationship in in that kind of an environment? Yes, great question. So I feel like my number one responsibility as what I define myself to be, which is a servant leader, which I'm pretty sure everyone is somewhat familiar with the definition of servant leadership, but is really to build a psychological safety net that creates this environment of support, of vulnerability, of trust to the degree that it becomes less about HR management and more about relationship and people. And one of the things that I feel is highly, highly important in servant leadership is course correction and also communicating expectations, alignment on the shared vision. And really, really, you know, I say this often to my teams currently, we all have different perspectives of our organization based on where we work in that framework. So I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you think, because you might see something that I don't see if you're in the trenches and if you're on the front line, pushing that decision-making down to your teams. Doesn't mean, and I I say this very clearly, that I'm going to do what you think that we should be doing, but I will listen and I will take it and I will understand it and interpret it and talk through it. The other advice that I give to people, um, there's this old disclaimer of, you know, it's, it's about the people that you know, because relationships is key. People do business with people more so than they do business with the actual business themselves. And it, and they say, it's all about who, you know, I also feel it's also about who knows you. And what type of impact are you leaving on the people that you interact with? What impression are you leaving with? And when they are thinking about filling a gap or, you know, connecting with someone for a process or anything, are they thinking of you? And how can you be the one that leaves that long lasting impression that you are going to be that support person, the person that is reliable, consistent, true to your word? All of those things play a role in how you leave your mark. I love that too. You know, I, I, I've written a white paper that 
I will get published eventually, maybe by the time this comes out, who knows, but it's become a, um, the defining principle for how we handle process engineering in, in symphony. And, uh, it's called the self-healing process. And the, the rough synopsis of it is that every process has a scope and the people who are directly affected by the scope of that process are the ones who should determine how that process works. You know, now not without insight, not without, you know, some leadership input when appropriate, but it's on them, the people who actually see that production process, who live in it, who work with it every day. They're the ones who are going to see where it can be approved. They're the ones who are going to see how it can be made better. They're the ones who are going to see which steps are busy work that don't actually contribute to the production process and help make it more efficient, you know, but like the core underlying philosophy more than anything else is that you trust these people to lead from the front, right? And to me, trust is always one of those things. And I don't mean trust like, you know, I trust you to keep my secret uh, per se or something along that line, but more a sense of, of confidence placed intentionally. You know, I am confident that you are capable and competent to do your job. You know, I am confident that you have valuable and meaningful contributions to make to the organization and that your experience and your perspective is valuable enough that we should actually change how we do business around that perspective when appropriate. And I think that that's, that's a huge way to really communicate that you love your team is to really value the expertise and the actions that they bring to the table. So often people talk about feeling like cogs in the machine, right? But nobody feels like a cog in the machine if their voice is part of what makes that machine turn, you know? And so of all the things that we can possibly do to, to love your team, I think that's just one of the most fundamental. It's really at the heart of all of it. Jennifer. Yeah, the, I love everything that you said. And it just reminded me of um, something that I've heard in the past, which is give people a reputation to live up to. That also comes with trust and also instilling confidence in the skill that they're bringing forth and how you communicate value. Not holding information tight to the chest, being transparent, but also saying, you know, I believe in you on top of I've seen you do these things and I trust you, but I'm going to give you a reputation to live up to as well. And I really think that's so important. And that's something that I've always carried with me and, and I think about quite often. It, that transparency part is super important as well. Uh, you know, along with rolling out this, this sort of human centric uh, philosophy for process engineering. One of the things that we've started doing at Symphony is we publish our financials internally for the entire team to see. They see what our performance is. They see whether we're profitable or not. You know, they see all of these components. And so it really separates. I mean, it's easy sometimes for a disconnected team to look at a leadership team and be like, oh, well, you're driving a Mercedes and oh, you're going on this thing and I'm struggling, you know. Whereas, you know, some of those factors may have nothing at all to do with the business. You know, my humor is 10 years old. It's not like I just bought it this month with profits, you know. Uh, <laughs> so that transparency becomes a critical part of the process as well. When everyone on the team has a sense not only of how financially strong the organization is, which, by the way, is a big trust point by itself, because if they don't like those numbers, maybe they start go shopping for another opportunity. But what we've found was that by being transparent on all of these fronts, it really built a sense of understanding and connectedness and loyalty to the organization that I don't think we would have had without it, you know? People pulled through when things were really tight because they had a good sense of where everyone was, where leadership was, where the company was, 
And anytime that we've had to, you know, sort of take on the bad impact of down economies or things along that line, um, leadership's all in with everybody else. Nobody escapes from that, you know, and we're transparent about that as well. Robin. It's a buzzword right now, but I'm going to use it anyways. And that's empower. One of the greatest ways that we can love our people is to empower them. And on the heels of the points that you and Jennifer were just making, I love the concept of give people a reputation to live up to. And it's occurring to me right now that I did that in my retail days without realizing that that's what I was doing. We used it as a method to train people, but we were really empowering people. So I worked in a hot topic, y'all. <laughs> And Hot Topic is, one of the things it's famous for is their t-shirt wall. They were one of the first people to have that big, massive t-shirt wall. (laughs) That's a son of a bitch to upkeep, right? Um, And to get those t-shirts folded right. And so we would make people like, we'd have fun names with it. Like, what do you want to be called? Do you want to be a king? Do you want to be a queen? Do you want to be a czar? Okay, Jennifer, you're the t-shirt queen this week, right? And it's one thing to say Jennifer's the t-shirt queen this week. It's another thing when an employee comes to me and says, how much is this shirt? Or I don't know where this shirt goes or somebody's looking for this thing. Oh, please go ask Jennifer. Jennifer's the t-shirt queen this week, right? So you can't just tell them they're the t-shirt queen. You have to treat them like they're the t-shirt queen. You have to send customers to them when they have a question about t-shirts. You have to send other employees to them when they have a question about t-shirts. And that empowers that person to really go and get and claim the knowledge that you've bestowed upon them by naming them the t-shirt queen, right? And then in terms of making sure that everyone understands the transparency of how this organization works and where they fit, one of the corporate training jobs I had, we used something we called learning maps. And in orientation on like day two, you were shown exactly how the profit flows through this organization and where you fit in as someone who contributes to that profit and also where you fit in as an expense, right? I used to take a little bit of delight in showing people like, hey, this is how our expenses break down. And guess what our biggest expense is? You. (laughs) People are the biggest expense of any organization. So you balance that by showing them how they contribute to that profit bucket at the end of the learning map, right? My least favorite word is the word just. Oh, I'm I'm just a cashier. I'm just a teller. I'm just a this. No. <laughs> like to the person who walks in and needs something, you are a lifeline. You are the brand. You are the experience. You're not just anything. And so that's another way that we can really love the people that we work with, whether they're direct teams or people who contribute to your success in some way, shape or form. Don't let them think that they are just anything. They are your heroes. They are your knights in shining armor. I tell my co-conspirators all the time, my business literally wouldn't fucking exist without you. So thank you. So that ties back into a concept that I was playing around with. Uh, It was a little bit of an epiphany a few months back. Somebody had come to me and said, uh, we had some conversation and you said, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't remember the conversation at all, but I trust myself, right? I know how I behave. I know the way I speak. I know that I don't 
blow smoke up people's asses. I'm, I'm educated. I am, you know, going to be clear and truthful and helpful. And I trust myself, right? So no matter what I said to you, I'll stand behind it. Let me know what it was, right? And we'll figure that out and, you know, whatever. So that had, that was a conversation I had and, and I was thinking about employees and uh, I had a new sales agent coming on who I was going to be training. And it occurred to me that I need to have that sort of trust for my people. And if you don't, you need to train them, communicate with them, get on the same page enough with them that you know that whoever they're talking to and whatever they're doing out there they've got all that behind them. There's nothing that's going to come out of their mouth that's off brand because that's who they are, right? This is what we do. This is who we are down to our bones. And you trust that. And if that's the case, there you can empower them, right? That That's empowering them is to give them that level of understanding, training, onboarding, and then let them do what they need to do and then and get your check-ins regularly. It's, I, you know, I've heard multiple times from people that, you know, they're like, you know, you can be obnoxious, you can be a clown, drunk, sober, all the above, but I know that your core beliefs don't change no matter in what state you're currently in, you know, that's important. Jen. Yeah, I was just going to build off of something Robin was saying, and I think Kathleen touched on it a little bit, and I don't want to gloss over it. So, you know, your purpose, right? And we've communicated values at this point in time, if you follow the follow the yellow brick road, right? Accountability. Accountability is something that people actually really appreciate because not only are you holding them accountable, but they expect that you're going to hold everyone else accountable. And it creates momentum, especially from a team's perspective, which teams, you know, you definitely want to encourage self-organization, but where there isn't that freedom of self-organization, you have to have parameters in place to hold people accountable. That communicates your values and beliefs more than you saying what your values and beliefs are is holding people accountable and making sure that that aligns with what you're trying to do with that shared vision. Couldn't agree more. So important. Victor. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of want to touch a little bit on, on what Jen and Robin were saying about explaining your partners in terms of um, your employees, where they fit in on the whole machine of a business. Um, because I know there's a lot of uh, solopreneurs listening to this as well. And this, is, th- th- this can be valuable as well when you do that with your vendors. You know, how they fit in on your machine, on your, on your business. How you, you know, what are you going to do with whatever they're doing for you and how important that is for your business. I think that's, that's very, very valuable as well. Then uh, I just have one little story about um, how you can feel when someone doesn't have that connection with you. I worked with, for, for this person for about four years and we were doing a year end review. And, you know, we were talking about my performance and how, you know, I was doing this and that and how we're reaching all the goals that we needed, that we needed to reach. And, and it occurred to me that he had no clue who I am as a person. And I asked him, do you know how many kids I have? And he had no clue. This is a person that I've talked to for four years, almost on a daily basis, strictly business, of course, but this is how you miss an opportunity to make a connection. It's so important to know the people that you are leading, the people that are around you. It's not only courteous, 
but it's just, it helps the business because you're not just a number. You're not just that person bringing in the bacon. You are a person too, and you can get a lot more from me. Of course, I had the opposite of when I had bosses that knew everything about, you know, whether my kids, what I did for vacation, what are my hobbies, what I like doing, things of that nature. But that's how you miss an opportunity when you don't know someone. And, and that, 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 I just lost so much respect for that person after that little question. Well, and to sort of build answer. on that from the other side of the equation, you know, when we talk about like, personal relationships, a lot of times we talk about there being sort of a balance of the energy, right? I love you. You love me. We have to equally contribute to this sort of thing long-term, you know, but when you're a boss, right, you don't get to expect that, right? Uh, A lot of your team is not necessarily going to have any positive feelings for you whatsoever, you know, especially if you've had to course correct with them and things along that line, you know, And so you're actually in a place where you may have someone who goes home and just talks mad shit about you. I mean, literally, this is I've I've had team members like this. They just did not like me as a person and would always take every opportunity to talk shit about me. You know, that's fine. That's their right. As long as they're performing, as long as they're getting the job done, as long as they're contributing the expertise and the common goal, you know. That's I'm okay with people not liking me personally, but still being on my team. However, I still have to pour into that relationship, whether I'm getting anything back from it or not. I've got to acknowledge the good that they're doing. I've got to reaffirm that their contributions are value valued. I have to still try to make that effort to get to know them personally and to account for those personal things in their life, which are contributing to all of this, you know, and sometimes that is incredibly thankless, but it's your job as a leader. You know, you have to love your team, even if they don't love you. Kids can be that way as well sometimes, you know, I hate you, mom, you know, well, yeah, okay, but I'm going to make sure that you're healthy and safe and grow up and, and are well-equipped, you know, to, to living this life. And I think that that's, that gets sort of forgotten sometimes when we talk about these kinds of conversations. Jen? Yeah, I was going to say, so we've already tipped the scales in blurring the lines of personal relationships with business relationships, right? The other really important thing to kind of you know, roll this conversation into something else is diversification. So diversifying the people that you put around you. And I'm not talking about the physical attributes of race and gender. That is important, but also thought process. You definitely want to put yourself around people that think completely differently than you, solve problems differently than you, because that level of diversification in your team, along with these other things that we've touched on, which is trust, empowerment, getting out of the way to let them do their job, that level of diversification is going to elevate you to no end because you're going to have so many different facets of knowledge and experience and life that is going to be brought to the table that you really should take advantage of and work to be open to um, having that part of your, your relationships. So important. So important. People completely forget all the time that if you don't have somebody challenging your perspective, you never have to defend your perspective. Therefore, you don't even actually know if it's right or not. And when you slam people or don't pick them, you know, make them the pick last people for having differing opinions and different points of view, you squash innovation in your own business, you know, and that's always a problem. Robin. I was just going to say, seek it out, encourage it and seek it out. So 
in our little team here, when we had to set a process in place, the very first thing I did was call Jennifer and go, your brain works differently than mine. Please look at this and fill in any of the holes that I've left, right? purposefully and and what we ended up with is a fucking kick-ass process right it would have been an okay process had I done it alone but instead by inviting that opposite level of thinking by inviting diverse ways of looking at things and perspectives now we have a kick-ass process instead of an okay functioning one right (laughs) you know because you can't get to that next level right? Victor said before, like, we're not one-man bands. We may be solopreneurs, but we are not and should not be doing all these things by ourselves. And I love the concept of have to choose to get to. So if you look at all these things as I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do that, that's going to color your perspective on those tasks and on those situations. And so the next level to get to is to understand that you're choosing. I choose to do this. I choose to do that. You know, I choose to bring people in to make this process better. I choose to ask my team and my vendors and other people that I'm collaborating with to take a look at this thing and maybe they'll make it better. So I don't I don't have to ask them, I choose to ask them. And then ultimately what we're striving for is to get to a point where we're like, I get to, right? And that was so exciting for me to start that project and realize I get to call Jennifer and say, hey, take a look at this and tell me where I fucked it up, right? (laughs) Because that means what we're going to end up with is something way better than whatever the initial concept was, right? So we all start at have to. I, I hope what these conversations around loving every aspect of yourself and your business help people understand is they're making choices. You don't have to do anything. You're choosing. You chose to get into business. You chose to become an entrepreneur. You chose to do whatever crazy thing it is that you're committed to doing, right? And and I hope that we are helping people with bits of information that will elevate them towards that level of get to. I love those mornings when I wake up thinking, not only do I choose to do this, but I get to do this. Oh. That's a that's a whole, that's next level. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I want to briefly, as, as we start to draw near the end, I, I want to touch on the final sort of team structure, which is leaders leading leaders. It's It becomes a whole different thing when you build a leadership team who you are expecting to be responsible for managing their own teams and contributing to the organization and cultivating their leadership skills while also sort of deftly maintaining your own leadership over them. You know, that can be a really challenging thing because when, you, when you're a leader leading leaders, each of those people already have generally demonstrated track records. They're good at what they do. They've earned their position, right? And so conflict resolution becomes such a more important skill to learn as part of that loving your team because you have to sort of lean by default to giving them their space and the expertise and letting them make choices critical to their teams uh, while also keeping a big picture view of what the business goals are entirely, you know? Jennifer, you've had some experience in that space. You want to talk about that? Sure. Of course, you know, going back to servant leadership, I think the first 
thing that I typically have done in the past is define what leadership is to that person. And then let's talk about our dynamics as two leaders in this system that we are trying to, you know, prevail some sort of goal or reach some sort of outcome. So let's define that and make sure we both understand what those expectations are. From there, you just get the fuck out of the way and you literally be there to support. That's one one thing that I have been told in the past is no matter what, I'm always available. And I love that, that someone picked up on that because that is really what you have to be there for is to put out fires. I think also when you're a leader leading leaders, you do not own any of the team successes, but you absolutely own any failure that comes to your team. And that is such a big statement to make in terms of support and psychological safety and cultivating a relationship with the people who are leading your teams. And also, I would say, have fun conversations. I always tell my leaders to, you, whenever you're talking with your team, sometimes people feel like, oh, no, the boss has called me or, oh, no, that should never be what crosses someone's mind when you're like, can I talk to you for a minute? You should intentionally have more positive conversations with people than negative. You overwhelm them with the positive, with the praise, with overwhelmingly acknowledge their contributions, because I guarantee you there's way more good that people do than bad. You should overwhelmingly exponentially have more positive conversations. So when I say want to chat it's yes and they're always approachable that way so when you have a conflict resolution the, the guardrails are down at that point my whole approach to to leadership was i mean it perfectly in line with yours uh you know hire the right people give them the tools to do the job and get the fuck out of their way you know really let them perform but then of course come back on the back side of that and acknowledge that performance but one of the other things that i've also made i guess one of my leadership traits and it's another way of expressing love to the team is never say no unless you absolutely have to. You know, if, if something's experimental and you're not sure, then experiment with it, test it, whatever the case may be. If it just sounds like a good idea, then by all means, go with yes, you know. Um, but even in places where your instinct might be to say no, think about why you're going to say no. And instead of saying no, ask those as questions and maybe offer some time and a regroup to come back and, and look at those questions and evaluate it again. Because I think it's, it's, it really is crushing when every suggestion, when every innovation is always met with no. And especially when there's no reason why. You know, if, if you are going to show love to that team, it really needs to be clear to all of them when you put your foot down, when you say, sorry, this isn't going to be that way. There has to be a clear understanding of why that they understand, too, that they can get behind. Oh, I get why that's no, you know, not just you're saying no. I would also say people love to continue to grow and develop no matter what level in the organization you're at. You are constantly seeking ways to grow and develop. And I think another aspect of leading leaders is to give them challenges. Sometimes we think, oh, they're too busy. We don't want to add something else to their plate or, oh, this is not written in their job description. No, heck no. People appreciate the moments and the opportunities where you get to let them shine. So give them those challenges, give them those moments in front of other leaders, give them opportunities to spread their wings and to shine and don't hold all the glory for yourself. And I think that's something else that's important that that helped me with leaders in the past. It gave me these crazy challenges that I've never done before and it helped me grow. And I appreciate that. And I remember them for it. Well, that's a good place, I think, for us to wrap it up for this week's episode. Just to recap a bit here, if you're building good teams the way that you show 
the love for your team is to affirm what they do, build personal relationships, show gratitude for their contributions, empower them to do their job and get the fuck out of the way. Demonstrate confidence in them by really allowing them the chance to drive innovation within your organization, encourage that innovation. It's a two-way street. Your company will benefit from that as well. And, uh, you know, never say no unless you absolutely have to. Make sure that they know that their, their ideas and their contributions are really valued. So, from all of us at the Unfuck My Business community, look at your own relationship with your teams over the next couple of weeks. Really evaluate. Are you showing the love? Are you giving them what they need? And are, are you being that leader that they know loves them and, and that they can trust to, uh, to steer the ship correctly? I'm Jinx. We got Robin, Jennifer, Kathleen, and Victor. And uh, we'll see y'all next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.